practicing it too, so I'm excited to get um, For level two, which is the world of Bria, I wrote Ava just by hand. And for number three, I wrote Yira. Okay, I don't know for sure what the top and the bottom ones are in that, in that column. <laughs> but I do know that that's Ava and that's Yira, which is useful. It, it's, it's incredible to me how over time this whole way of understanding how things break down actually can be useful because if I realize I'm over here with something or here, I can get some kind of orientation. So where would I want to go and what tool would I use to use that? And Only in davening or no, in general? No, no, and other things too, yeah. It's been pretty astonishing mm -hmm. as time has gone on. Okay, so I have a, a mini review because it has been a long time. <laughs> the mini review is just reminding us what is the purpose, the how, the goal of Psuke de Zimra. So the purpose of Psuke de Zimra is it forms an introduction to Kriyashva. Right? It's not that it doesn't stand on its own, but as with all the levels, each one will, will build you up so that you're ready for the next level. So it builds you towards Kriyashma, in which the view of God in world and history is made into a bridge between Israel and duty. That's Rav Hirsch. So it brings us, Psuke de Zimra brings us from through a process of viewing God in world and history. And that will bring us to Kriyashma. So we're not really talking so much now about what our voda will be in Kriyashma, but in order to be ready for it, we need to go through Psuke de Zimra. Viewing God through? Through, in world and history. So it's the big sweeping global kinds of forces when we're looking at, at that part of Yitzira. What he's talking about is the Kabbalistic idea of Yitzira as, do I have it here? Like formation, which it includes mazalos and climate mm -hmm. and, you know, these kind of uh, sweeping international, you know, movement of nations, formation of, uh, uh, even the physical formation of the world to the extent that it shapes human choice and political decisions. So the whole geopolitical landscape, that where bodies of water are how accessible they are to other nations, which is a function also of where the mountains are. All these kinds of major geological forces or climactic forces or water systems, all these things shape and influence human history. But where do you see it in Psuche de Zimra? Because I, I just see the So praise. we'll try, yeah, we'll try it's and look there. at it. Uh, well, just maybe this is a good moment here. So let's take a second. If you look at Psuche de Zimra, what you, what you start to see is because what we're supposed to be doing, we talked about this a little bit with Shira. I have a little bit on it for today. Um, looking and seeing how everything in the world is actually part of God's greater plan. Meaning, God is the one who is the force behind those forces. It's not that the sun does such and such. It's that God does it using the sun as the means. Uh -huh. Right? It's not that... Um, tsunamis sweep away, you know, a whole city. It's that God has swept away a whole city, and he used the tsunami as his tool. All right, so we're seeing God in everything. What that also means is that we're giving, we're allowing each thing in creation to have its voice. So everything in creation has been created for the purpose of singing glory and praise to God. Everything sings a shira, right? That was the idea of the the parakshira, right? What does the rooster say, and what do the clouds say, and what, right? Each thing, we talked about that, right? I told mm -hmm. you the story from Rabbi Haber's story about the scorpions. Yep. Okay, 
everything in the world was created to sing a song so that when you look at it, there is something unique about that creature that allows you to recognize God's hand in the world, which means that when a human being looks at something in the world and speaks out loud, recognizes that that creation, that other creation it's looking at, he's looking at, is demonstrating God's presence in the world, it, it is a way of giving voice to the Shira of that other creation. That's very deep <laughs> and very exciting. Yeah. Um, it's a fundamental because when we understand that humanity, humanity was created to be Kohanim for the world. The Jews end up being the Kohanim for humanity. <laughs> but let's use this for a minute to try and understand something. So what does it mean to be Kohanim to the world? So what does a Kohen do? A Kohen is in the Beis HaMikdash, and his job is to teach, and his job is to bring Karbanas. So if we think about karbanos, is the avoda that the Kohen is doing, just focusing on the avoda for a minute, is the avoda that the Kohen's doing his avoda? Well, it's his avoda to do it, but he's really bringing my karbanos, or yeah. your karbanos, or yeah. someone else's karbanos, right? So he's, you might say he's giving voice to our karban. Like, I need him in order to activate it, but it's still my avoda. Right. Okay, he also has an avoda. His avoda is his own karbanos, and also to bring mine. But my, my avoda becomes more fully expressed because he's there to work with me on it. So everything in the world really has an avoda and has a shira that it sings. Everything was created for the glory of God. It's the last Mishnah in Avos. Every, I don't remember it by heart, and I don't think this sitter has an avos in it, but it's the last Mishnah in Avos. Everything that I have created, says God, I have created and formed it for my glory. Which means that we can see in everything the potential for God's glory. Hi, Hi. good morning. Welcome Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good, good to see you. you. So, I can see in each thing that, and also, are you okay? Oh my gosh, you just got hurt. That was so weird. Something sharp at the Oh, Okay, now when I, when I speak it out, because as a man I am a speaking creature, Good morning. Welcome back. Okay, as man, I am a speaking creature, and my main strength is in my speech. So what I've done then is I've done my avoda, because what is the avoda? Avoda is with is tefillah, right? But I've also done something else with my speech. I've given voice to the shira of some other creature. So if I want to look at, at Suki de Zimmer for that, we're, we're not on a tangent exactly. We're on a sort of foundational. Okay. So, been so long it's, it's been a long time. So we're doing yeah. like a, it was a mini review that became a moderate, a midi review. I don't really understand it. With my voice, I've given voice to I've really given voice to the song of some other creation. If I look at a flower and in that flower, I see God's hand. Mm-hmm. I see, like the the, comp, the how complex it is. There's, you know, there's a flat. It's beautiful. It's soft. It has a smell. It has a color that's attractive to me, but it has colors I can't even see. Flowers have infrared colors and ultraviolet colors that people can't see. 
But bees can see them, or hummingbirds can see them. You know, whatever it needs to pollinate it, it's got colors to attract those creatures. So not now the creation of a rose is not only the creation of a rose, there's also all kinds of other things that had to be created in order to pollinate it. And, I mean, each, right, and it has a smell, and it has a fruit, and it has, everything has its thing. And when I look at it, and I can see, you know what, just like this rose <coughs> can develop in the middle of all the thorns, so it's protected, and it's a little bit dangerous, but if I handle with care, there's something very beautiful and sweet there, right? So I can learn a concept that there could be such a thing. Good morning. There could be such a thing as something where, where it's beautiful and it's sweet, but I still have to handle it with respect. Just because something is beautiful and sweet doesn't mean that I don't have respect with it. Okay? Sometimes people make that mistake. <coughs> Kids do it, right? We like this teacher because she's so sweet and nice, but they, then how do I respect them? Right? Something could be both. Okay. So I'm just, I was just figured I would look for a second and see. I'm pretty sure there's a parakshira for the rose. Uh, this is animals. I want to work back through the phylum here. Okay, I don't see one. I thought there was one. I thought there was one. Okay. Here's a different example. The tapuach, right? Like an apple. Tapuach Omer, what does an apple say? Kitapuach ba'atse hayar, just like an apple is in terms of the trees of a forest. Kain dodi bein habonim, so is my beloved amongst the other men. Betzilo chimarati, I love being in his shade. Biyashavti ufiryo masok lechiki. And I sit with him and the fruit is sweet to my mouth. So there's something that everything in creation teaches us. Each one teaches us some other aspect that we wouldn't learn otherwise. There's something unique right. about it. And there's something unique about it which is also a mashal to a spiritual reality that it represents. Every physical existence is an expression of a spiritual reality. So if I can understand this, a spiritual message from it in addition and bring that out, I've allowed it to, to fully fulfill its purpose in existing. In the same way that I have a mission in the world, so also the ruler has a mission in the world. So if I use it for that mission, or I see in it, I'm allowing that full, the, full, the full meaning of its life, so to speak, to be expressed. Okay? And that's part of what we're doing in Psukkot Zimra. So in Psukkot Zimra, you have, for example, there's a lot of different ways, but let's say the Halalukas. Okay, really everything in Psukkot Zimra is walking you through that. But you have this series of Halalukas. And they walk you through, right, my soul praises God. Um, God has made heavens. He's made earth. He's made seas. He's made everything in them. I mean, if you, really, if you look through Psukkot Zimmer, this is what it's about. Different chapters. Hashem takes care of people, and he also takes care of stars. In other words, from the smallest to the biggest. Some of them are not about people even, right? He gives food to the animals. He provides for the ravens. Right, right, each, as you walk through the Halalukas, they're, they're actually a very clear example of how that is. And we've talked in the past about how Az Yashir, Az Yashir is looking at everything that has happened to us in Jewish history and saying, Baruch Hashem, it happened, even the painful stuff. Being able to say that, wow, if that had not happened, we wouldn't be able to be where we are now. And so we're grateful for it, even if we didn't know that we had to be grateful at the time. Okay, so how do we do it? This whole section of Shachris, I'm quoting Rav Eli Munk, this whole section of the Shachris service seeks to proclaim that all the events in nature and human life can be traced back to God. 
Any belief in intermediate powers must be eliminated before man may approach God in prayer. Okay, what that means is there are two sides to what we are doing in Psukhita Zimra. One is recognizing that Hashem is the force behind everything else, force and the source. The other thing we are doing is recognizing that there is no other force besides him. Those mean the same thing. One was spoke, one I said more in the positive, Hashem is the force, and one is the negative, there is no other force. Because the way that we think, we need both. Because we can be saying, saying, it's all from Hashem, it's all really from Hashem, and then, you know, we get a ticket and it's like, oh, the stupid city is always ticketing me. The meter maid, why did they do that? Like, I could do that, I could flip to that in, in two seconds. Mm-hmm. I was just telling myself how Hashem is the source of everything and He's the only force behind everything. And then, bam, I turn around and the next thing I'm thinking of, of some, okay, I'm going to give you a, a very minor, very, very minor example. So the other day, um, I'm back to driving my carpools, which is like a big step forward. So I said, okay, I want to put up dinner. So I put the chicken in the oven and then I was going to make some pasta. Oh, no, I put meat in the crock pot and I was going to make pasta to go with it. But the pasta, if I wait till I come home to put it up, like till the water heats, I don't know, maybe it's our stove. Like it really takes a long time to get it heated up. So, and I don't, I can't leave a stove on the, a pot on the stove for like two hours, right? So I said, I know, I'll fill up the Shabbos urn and the water will be hot. And then when I come home, I'll just pour it in the pot and it will take five minutes to heat up on the stove. Okay, like this is a great idea. I never thought of it before. Such a good idea. So we come home, and I, I'm pouring the water, and I say to the kids, you see, I had such a good idea today. Isn't that great? And the water, of course, splashes out, and a little bit, like, kind of burns my foot. It wasn't serious, you know, no, no serious burns. It's just, like, enough, like, that I noticed it. So my daughter says, you okay? I said, yeah. I said, like, who did I think I was? Like, I had such a great idea. I'm going to hear, like, really? I never had that idea before, so where did that idea come from? I told you it's a small example, <laughs> right? I thought you were well, going to say, you forgot to plug it in. I also did. <laughs> That's where yeah, I forgot to plug it in. But by That's the way, nothing like thyroid problems to let you know that what you remember to do or don't remember to do is all a function of God. Like, <laughs> very little control over these things. Oh so there's a lot of efforts you can make. That's why I have the phone that I have was because I could set up millions of alarms and millions of alerts and have them go across every device and show, you know, like... Because I know that I can't. It's not me. So who, who, if I can't rely on me, i got to rely on God, you know? So I know better than that. Like, this was my amazing, brilliant idea, really, and where did it come from? How did I get this great idea? You know, so, like, just a reminder. Okay, no. Okay, so a splash of hot water is also God is the force behind it, okay? Not only remembering to put up the hot water, but also what happens with the water. Like, all of it, it's really all coming from God. But it's something that we all need, at least I do, right, need to work on. So there's the positive expression of it, which is God is the force behind everything, and there is a negative expression of it, which is recognizing that nothing else really is the source of it. That if the Mitzrim are enslaving us, it's true the Mitzrim have a problem. Like, they're wicked. Mm-hmm. But we need to recognize that the reason they're able to do this and have it affect me is that's God. That's God affecting me. That's not the midterm affecting me. Okay, so this is that process of Psuchit Zimra. So I've heard people say this whole idea that, well, everything that's here is because is, is here to help the Jews. 
it's really a function of everything's here in order for the Jews to fulfill their mission, mm -hmm. why Hashem created the world. Which sometimes it doesn't sit well with me. It's just like it's really hard for me to just feel like... Well, it depends what you take of it. Look, everything in the world... I'll tell you something very nice. We are just talking about just before you came in. Mankind are created to be Kohanim of the world. The Jewish people are Kohanim of the world at this point. We're Kohanim of the other nations. We are a nation of Kohanim to the rest of the nations. That has to do with what humanity is. All of us together from the time of Adam blew it. Okay, in Nasev and Ishma, we're working up to Kriya Ishma and we're working up to Shavuos. So there's a Kabbalah Satara over there that says we, we, we are ready to try and come back in and do what we're meant to do as people. The rest of the world hasn't done that. Eventually, they will. doesn't mean eventually they'll be Jewish. Eventually, they'll come back to their avoda in serving Hashem. Okay. Uh, what does it mean if you're a Kohen? So I heard a very interesting Dvar Torah from Rav Moshe Eisman. He's talking about the Big Day Kahuna. Now the, what is the purpose of the big day of the Kohen? If he's doing the avoda, it, it's, it's a very serious mitzvah. I mean, he can't do avoda without the proper clothing on. Okay, it's not just like a nice uniform. Okay, and the clothing are described, the special clothing that a Kohen wears are described as lechavod ulasifares, as a glory and a glory, an honor and glory. So if you think about it, we honor a Kohen, he gets the first bracha. We give them a percentage of everything that we, that we earn. They, it's a glorious job. They have to wear clothes that are royal, that make it look like something like, wow, right? Okay. And yet, if you think about what does a Kohen actually do? I don't know. They sweep and they slaughter. They work in a, in a kitchen, in a butcher kitchen, like a meat house. It's like a steakhouse. <laughs> I mean, that's, they sweep and they wash, they pour, they slaughter, they schlep, they set fires, they clean up fires, they add wood to the fires. Like, what do they do already? Right? How do their clothes stay And white? yet, well, they have to wash them a lot. Don't they meditate, they, though? I thought the Kahani, before sorry? they would even, the Kahani would yeah. meditate before they would even. I don't know what meditate means. I don't know. Well, they, they, I don't know. I read the Arya Kaplan book. I don't know what meditate means. You have to have Kavana. But also the person bringing, you know, the Kohen could be doing a 100% perfect job. And if the person who's bringing the, whose carbon it is, is not focused properly, the carbon's no good. It just gets thrown out. It's pigle. So I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So what Rav Eisman pointed out is that in Torah, malchus, mamleches kohanim, we're described as a mamlecha, is a, a kingdom. We are a kingdom of kohanim. Being a Kohen is a little bit like being a king. And a Kohen Gadol really is like a king, okay? And yet, a Mamleches Kohanim means a kingdom, a royalty of service. Mamlecha is Sherus, it's service. In Torah, a king is a servant. He's a king. We have to honor him. But his entire life is in service of others. I think that's why Sherus is related to the word Tsar. A Tsar is like a high-ranking officer, right, like a prince. The word Tsar is essentially the word Lesharet, to serve, okay? Lekahen, to be a Kohen. Lekahen is to do service. It's, it's in service of, okay? And yet that's, this is royalty, and they wear clothing of royalty. Okay, so who's serving who? 
everything in the world is here for my ser- to, to help me in my avoda. But what's my avoda to help everything in the world <laughs> achieve its meaning? I don't know. Like, so who's serving who over here? And I'm not sure that you could. I, I'm not. Hakol Bishvil Yisrael is true. But it's true because we are a mamlechas kohanim. We are also in service of everything. It's both. But that's because we're in service of God, meaning what are we serving them? We're helping them. What we're doing is serving God, really. But that's true of us as individuals as well. Right? Bishvili nivraha olam. It's the same statement, really. The world is created for me. Every person is supposed to realize the world is created for me. What does that mean? That means that every single thing that happens to me is really talking to me. We're going to see more of how that expresses when we get into the Yerushalayim part a little more, but I have a feeling that will be next week, not so much this week. Okay, so that's the first piece. That was how do we do it. So the purpose is viewing God in world and history as a bridge to duty, like from where I am to feeling that I want to do. How do I do that? by proclaiming that all the events in nature and human life can be traced back to God and that there is no other force other than him. You could see how that would lead you to Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. You could get an inkling. Okay, we're not going to go into Shema yet, but you start. You could see how that helps get you there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know it's successful if you reach the goal. What's the goal? The goal is to recognize Hashem as the sole source of, source of power within the cosmos. Okay, that's Yochid Chei HaOlamim. Yachid, the one, the only, the unique, Che, source of life, Ha'olamim of all worlds. God is Yachid Che Ha'olamim. It's true, I see rain, or I see a tornado, or I see a tsunami, but I have to realize that's only in the level of the physical world. That's down here, okay? Which is where I'm working in Psoke de Zimra. I'm looking at what is here, the forces that influence and seem to affect and shape my life and recognizing that they're here, but there are worlds above them, and that it all comes from Hashem. That is the avoda of Pesuket Zimra. It helps to know this because what it does is it helps us focus on, on not, it's not just about saying the words, right? It's about saying, what am I trying to do? When I finished my brachos and I get into Pesuket Zimra, or I'm in a rush and I think maybe I'll jump to Shema, right? Why would I want to stop so I might want to if I realize that there's something here I could achieve. Let me get my mind in the right frame of mind so that my Shema will be something powerful. When we get to Shema, Shema is like nuclear. It's like you set off a spiritual atom bomb. But to do it, you have to get, do some Psuke de Zimra work. Uh, you notice I'm not commenting how much you say or how much you don't say. We each have to figure that out. Okay? But the avod of Psuke de Zimra, right? The avoda of saying it is all him. And the more detail in which I look at the world, the more that will be clear to me. I realize, like, that's too much detail. How do you track so much detail? It's too much strength. How, how could there be so much strength? Everything thought out, planned ahead, everything that has happened, everything that will happen, and it's all moving towards God's purpose. So the tool for this is Zimra. <laughs> it's okay, the Zimra. So what Zimra? Zimra is song. It's happy singing. We talked about Shira. We talked about, did we talk about Hollow? Maybe a little, I don't remember. Okay. But the word Zimra, which means a happy kind of singing, like Zmiro San Shabbos, is actually from the root Zamor, which is to prune. Zmira is pruning, which just sounds so unrelated to singing. 
Okay, so there's a mitzvah in the Torah. V'charmecha is more. Thou shalt not prune your vines, right, during Shemitah. Okay. Um, so what's the connection? <clears throat> so we need to understand that the true purpose and the, the true goal that we're headed for in our lives is not in this world, which is very fortunate because <laughs> it would be such a disappointment. You, you notice, like, things in this world have a tendency, no matter how exciting they are, to ultimately have some element of disappointment to them, right, unless you can see beyond it. So if you realize there's a beyond, so fine. Okay, so Ramchal says in the introduction to Masil Yashar, Ha'adam lo nivra elo lehisanik al Hashem. Man was created only for the purpose of enjoying God. Vilehanos miziv shchinaso. And to bask in the glow of his presence. Introduction to Masilas Yashar. Shazeu hata'anug ha'amiti. This is the true comfort. V'ha'idun ha'gadol. And the true... Uh, pleasure, the greatest pleasure of any other enjoyment or pleasure that can be found. And where does this happen? Where do you really have this? The place of this is truly in Olam Haba. Why it's truly in Olam Haba? Because there can be tastes of it in this world. There can, in fact, be tastes of the Shechina in this world. But the real place of it is Olam Haba. Okay, which means that man was created with a craving and a desire for love and comfort and to bask in the pleasure of someone else near them, of someone who loves them and who they love back, which explains why. I, I once saw a statistic on this. It had nothing to do with Judaism. <laughs> like if, the, if you look at song lyrics, like 99% of them are either about love or God more of them about love than God. But those are the two big topics. Why? Because those are really both love in this world, physical love or even friend love, you know, not doesn't have to be physical per se. Love of another person is really an expression of the innate creation inside of people to desire to love and to be loved. That's natural. Why? Because that's kind of what we're all about ultimately. <laughs> so that's okay. That's not, there's nothing wrong with the, that desire. But, but if someone is focused only on this world, that will not lead them to where they truly want to go or need to go. Therefore, more. we have to prune. We have to be able to prune back. We have to be able to say there's all this power or force or yearning or desire, and it's just like all over the place, right? If you look at a tree, and the way that it grows, what you're seeing is great force, great life force, a desire to be alive, like just pushing out in every direction, right? But trees can get weak that way. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You prune back some of the twigs. Sometimes you prune back even some of the larger branches so that other branches, when that life force is flowing through the tree, it will be directed more towards what is there, what's left. And those areas will become stronger and more sturdy and more well-developed. We also have to do that. We have tremendous life force. We have a lot of yearning. We have a lot of passion. We have a lot of things we want. And by pruning it, by saying, well, instead of just going everywhere, 
with very little force, what I'm going to do is I'm going to channel. I'm going to take these things, I'm going to prune them away, and now all that force is similar to what we talked about with Rokaha Aretz al about how chesed, tempered by kvura, becomes much more powerful. Okay? That idea that the, the zemira, the pruning, holds, it's a, a, an act of holding back and saying, not here, not here, not here, not here, so that I can really go there. Okay. It's a channeling of energy into productive growth. So, again, we, we don't totally have, so what does that have to do with joyous singing, right? But a little bit, you can, you can start to intuit it. It has to do with joyous singing, because the joyous singing then becomes what happens when instead of all my excitement being all over the place and a lot of little things, I start to focus and realize there's really one source for all of this. There's a trunk of a tree, right? It's not that it's all a million little separate chestnuts, Right? There's actually a trunk here. There's one huge, and now I can be filled with a much greater joy. And I'm, I'm become overwhelmed with the greatness of God. And from this can come Zmira, Zimra, singing. Okay, now I wanna, we're going to put pause on that for a few minutes and come back to it. I want to share with you sort of a, a little bit odd statement for the Mishnah. So in Zavarim, if the Jews go to war, if the Jews are going to go to war, so they gather up and they have a sort of a pep talk, and there's a Kohen Mashuach Malchama, there's sort of a Kohen Gadol of the war, whose job is to stand and give them a speech, and he reminds them, your heart should not be fearful, don't be afraid, don't tremble. Don't be afraid of your enemies because Hashem Elokeichem It's God who's walking with you. It's not the enemies that you need to worry about. It's just really you and God over here. He's walking with you. He's doing battle with you. With your enemies, he will save you. And the Shotrim, which are the enforcers, the police, they stand up and they say to the people, whoever has built a new home but hasn't yet it's the uh, He hasn't uh, launched it. Yeah, hasn't made a Hanukkah to buy it, basically. He should go back home. Lest he die in the war and someone else will get to use it. And whoever has planted a grapevine. I mean, it's an interesting topic, why these things, but that's not for today. And he has not yet been mechalalit, so he didn't get to eat anything from it. He should go home lest he die in the war. And whoever is engaged to be married, they had, they had Erusin and Kiddushin. It's two stages of the wedding, which we do very close together all the same night. But they used to do it up to a year apart. Okay, so a man who is in the first stage of having gotten married, but he hasn't yet actually gotten married yet to his wife, he should go home, lest he die in the war. And then they continue, and they say to the people, Miha'ish ha'yare, whoever is afraid, verach halevav, and his heart is melting, his heart is soft inside of him, which the coin just told them not to do. And we all know how effective it is to tell people not to be afraid. That what cures it right away. Oh, because he <laughs> just told them not to do it. Okay. <laughs> no, but as I said, like just instructing people not to be afraid doesn't necessarily right. solve it. Okay. Whoever is afraid, should get up and go home. So that he doesn't infect everyone else and they are also going to be afraid like him. Okay, sorry, my voice is starting to, starting to fade. All right. So that's an interesting 
I mean, it's always a very intriguing topic, right? Like, whoever's afraid, go home. And the Mishnah in Sota says, I'm just wondering if Rashi says it over here. I'm not sure he does. Okay, yeah. Rashi says, whoever's afraid. Rabbi Akiva Omer Kemashma'o. Rabbi Akiva says, what this Pasuk means is pretty much what it sounds like. We're talking about someone who can't stand up to the challenges of the war. The, the, the whole experience of war is overwhelming for him. And seeing an, an unsheathed sword. So he's afraid to see, he faints when he sees blood. If <laughs> you can't deal with, with the war, so go home. Rabbi Yossi Haglili Omer. Rabbi Yossi Haglili says, Hayare, what does it mean that he's afraid? Hayare me'avero shebeyado. Someone who is afraid of the sins in his hand. And that's why the Torah connected it to the other three people who go home because of the home, the vine, or the wife. In order to cover up for the fact that they're going back. The ones who are going back because of their averos so that the other people who see them go won't know that that's the reason they're going. Whoever sees them go back, Omer will say, Probably he has a new house, or he's engaged, or he planted a vine. And they won't realize that the reason he's really going is because he's afraid. All right, so you got you to gotta wonder, okay, what why the going back and the afraid, okay? And, and why would Rabbi Yossi Haglili come and say he's afraid of his Averos? Why not just stick with Rabbi Akiva? Like, he's afraid because he's afraid. Like, who wouldn't be afraid in a war? Why not, okay? It's just that it would leave the question that if it's obvious that someone could be afraid of the war, then what was the purpose of the Kohen coming and saying, don't be afraid, Hashem is with you? What are they well, all talking about? I mean, to me, the first thing that comes to mind, if you're afraid of your Averis, you want to have time to do tshuva. Yeah. So if you're going to go back, you want to do tshuva and not die in war without having done that. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think you're on the right track with that. I want to tell you another thing, which is, um, we'll explain to you why we're talking about this topic over here, which seems otherwise like a whopping topic change, as Amir Mahler would say. All right. <coughs> I thought That's it shows it. that you're truly afraid. If he told you not to be afraid and you're still afraid after that, then you're truly afraid. Then you're truly afraid. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I like that. Okay. What if okay. you're just afraid because you're afraid? You're not necessarily thinking of your that's arrows, right, yeah. but you're We're afraid. actually going to touch on all of it. Yeah. Okay. We're starting with Yura, and from there, like I said, I'm hoping to get to Yura Shemayim, but not this week, maybe next week. Okay. So the Shulchanar, this is a halacha. Listen to this. I'm pretty sure it comes from a Gemara. I'm pretty sure I saw this in, from a reference in a Gemara. But anyway. Hamasaper, one who speaks. Bein yishtabach liyotzer. Between the end of Suke de Zimra. Uh-oh. Yishtabach. Uh-oh, here it comes. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. Liyotzer. And the bur- first bracha of Kriyashma. Oh, by the way, you know that, like, generally speaking, the basic halacha is that once you say Baruch Sha'amar, once you start, so you don't speak. It's not usher to, like, snap, wave, point, okay? It's not usher. I'm not saying it's recommended, like you're talking, you know, but it's not usher. But not to speak. Okay, Yishtabach is the closing blessing of Pesukei It opens with Baruch Sha'amar, and it closes with Yishtabach. All right. 
And then you get the next page, you have Yotzer Oru Vorechoshe, Chotze Shalom which is the first bracha going into Krishna. One who speaks between these two, I mean, there's a Kaddish in between, whatever, interrupting speech, I assume. Avera Hibiyado is holding an Avera in his hand. Now, I, I, don't, I don't want you to feel like I'm saying, like, oh, this is a big sin. I didn't say that. This is the language of the Shulchan Aruch is quoting. But you have to recognize, what's Avera Hibiyado? When you hear this is an Avera, he's holding in his hand. That's, you could just say it's Aser. What does it mean, Avera Hibiyado? It didn't say it's Aser. It says it's an Avera he's holding in his hand. That's the Lashon, right? That's the Lashon over here of Rabbi Yossi Haglili. What does it mean to be afraid to go to war? Hayare me Averos Shebeyado. It's the person who is afraid because of the Averos in his hand. Okay, that's, I just want to focus you on like what, there's a reference here that is spoken and yet unspoken. All right, and you'll see how strongly spoken it is. One who speaks between Yishtabach and Yotzer, Avera Hibiyado, is holding this Avera in his hand, Vechozer Aleha, and because of it, he should go back or retreat, Me Orcheha Melchama, from the uh, battle array, which essentially means when they got up and they said, Whoever's afraid, go back. And Rabbi Yossi Haglili said, what does it mean he'd be afraid? It means he's afraid because of his Averos. What kind of Averos are we talking about? Speaking between Yishtabach and Yotzer. If that's the scale of Averos we're talking about, who's going to be in your war? Who's your army? Really? I mean, hopefully we're not talking between Yishtabach and Yotzer, like we could deal with it. But, but Lamaisa, like... If that's the scale, okay, we don't know how big an Avera is, right? Some are big, some are... But, like, this seems like you could be pretty righteous and still have a little issue with that. And, like, we wouldn't say, it's not Michal Shabbos. It's not, right? Like, what's the deal? How, how, this is the seriousness for which we would say, go home? Okay, so why am I bringing this? Because I think it, there's something here about moving from Suke de Zimra to Shema, about this process that is connected to this process of who is afraid to go to war. So if we understand the Yira here, that's why I mentioned, I mentioned Tegila, although I didn't um, put it on these sheets, that this level of Yitzira, which is the level of Psuke de Zimra, is also the level of Yira. That can be a good thing, right? Yirshmai. Whereas the level of Kriyashma is the level of ahava, of love. Okay, it's not on there. I just, it, I stuck on my own note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So above the line, that's the level of ahava, and psukizimra is a level of yira. So there is something, let's put it this way. A person who is somehow misaligned in his yira, he's afraid of the averas in his hands, isn't ready to move on to go forward. What it would take to go forward in the war is what you would achieve if you were ready to go forward from Sukhita Zimra over to Kriyashma. It's a pro there's something that happens inside of you that you need to be there. If you didn't get there, you need to go back. It doesn't mean go back to the beginning of Sukhita Zimra and try again. What it means is 
you maybe didn't get the avoda done of Pesuket Zimmer and you're not quite ready to go into Shema. Maybe you didn't get whatever that was that you had to do is what someone would have to do in their life to be ready to go out to war in the manner that the Kohen Mashuach Melchama said. Don't be afraid of them. Your Lord God is going with you. In there, you can start to hear the answer, by the way. Right? Remember, what did we say is the avoda of Pesuket Zimra? It's an avoda of, there's the source of everything is really God. He is managing, he is the source of all source, the, the force of all force. He is controlling and managing everything and moving it in accordance with his plan. And nothing and no one else has any power other than him. Regardless of, I see stars, I see moon, I see sun, I see climate, I see mountains and earthquakes and all of that are delivery channels for his power. And he is controlling them. They have no independent capacity of their own. None. Do not be afraid of your enemies. That's the negative. There's nothing to be afraid of at all because they have no power over you. It's Hashem, ki Hashem, but rather it is Hashem who is walking with you. He will do battle with you. Okay, so if so, if you've got that message and it's sunk in, how could you possibly have any fear at all? There is one kind of fear left. It's fear of God. Maybe I don't, maybe I've done something that would make it that he will not. Maybe I deserve to die. Maybe I, okay, it was not for us to decide what we deserve and not to deserve. Okay. But <laughs> I said that to my there's Rebbe. Doubt. He was very there's a unhappy. doubt in someone's mind, especially But when he would have fear. We're going to talk a little more about where that fear comes from, but he will have fear, yeah. right? Like, yeah, Hashem is with me, and I want to be his tool, but maybe I'm an imperfect tool. Am I ready to be that tool? Okay, that's the only fear that might be left. And that's why Rabbi Yossi Haglili says, when after that the Shotram get up and say, whoever is afraid, go back, that's what they're saying. They're saying, if you actually are feeling fear, you're not afraid of the war. Of course you're not afraid of the war. You just had a homeless or that drove home and like entered your heart and reminded you War is not what we're afraid of. There's only God. He's with us, and there is nothing else, and there's no one else who has any power over here. So I'm not afraid of anything, only of him. Oh, but I'm afraid of him. Okay, so a certain amount of fear of God, that's healthy fear. But my heart is soft. I'm quailing. I can't take another step forward because I'm afraid to face, I'm afraid to walk with him because I'm ashamed of my actions. There's something deeper going on, then I need to go back home. I need to go back and deal with that so that I am ready to move forward and walk with him again. That's something I need to do. Okay, so now we're starting to understand this, this passage helps shed light on the Avodah of Sukkot Zimra. We're, we're working our way towards Shema and towards Shemona Esrei, but to get there, we have to grapple with fear. It's something, this, Yira is at this level of Yitzira. I'm Sukkot Zimra. Yitzira, remember Yitzira means to shape, like clay, a yotzer. A yotzer is the one who forms it. 
right? And we talked about that with the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Tov, these forces that push on us and shape us, okay? This is, that is dealing with fear and recognizing what are the forces that push on me and shape me and who's controlling them, okay? That is my focus in Psuke de Zimra, is trying to bring my mind around and my heart in particular so that I feel it, that I can really feel at the level of my emotional reality only God who's controlling all of this. I see all this other stuff. I, I'm standing in the higher level of a physical world, and I get it that it's all being moved around from above. Okay, we gotta, we're going to have to wind up over here. I want to ask... No, I'm going to stop here. Let's stop over here, and we'll pick it up next week, Yemir and go from here into understanding where fear of sin comes from. That's a Rav Tzadok in Hashem next week. And from there to um, getting, getting a little bit of an insight into what is this year of Shemayim that we hear people talk about and how could we work toward increasing that in ourselves. It's so good to be back. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you were talking about Zimra and Zamor, and you were talking yeah. about pruning. And yeah. So it reminds me of the Spirot, that they, when they talk about like loving kindness, with discipline. Or it sure it is. Kindness Let me tell you something aura. else. Where are the spheros from? I mean, I don't know, Kabbalah, Where you are know, they but from? like, yeah. I have no idea. Okay, so the source for the for the spheros, these mystical spheres of God's unfolding of blessing into the world, right? The altar? Like the corresponds to the others, of course. Okay, but the source that that's the pasukim that are quoted are from the end of Divrei Hayomim, and they. Are read every day in Pesuk Edizimra. Oh, really? Yes. Because that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Just reading about it, it really, it's very powerful. Okay. So, Vayivarech David, and David blessed Es Hashem Kolakal. He blessed God before the eyes of the whole congregation. This is when they had they had gathered together all of the supplies and fundraising to be able to build the Beis Hamikdash. David couldn't build it. But he got all the contributions together. He made the blueprints. He purchased the land, right? He got it all ready. He did everything he could do, short of doing it, because God said no, which is what you do when you really love somebody. Okay. Vayomer David, and David said, Baruch Hashem Avinu. Blessed are you, Hashem, the source of all blessing. Hashem, the Lord of Israel and our Father. May Olam vat Olam forever and ever. L'cho Hashem these are the spheres. Yours, God, is the, the Gedula and the Gevura and the Tiferes and the Netzach. And hold on, I don't even want to try translating these, okay? Kichol Everything in the heavens and on earth, Lecho Hashem, is yours. Hamam Lecho Vahamis Nase Lecho Larosh. Those are the spheres. Okay? This is relevant. When we talk about Yerushmaim, Hashem, it'll also be like a nice bridge for Sphiras HaOmer and going to Shavuos. It's amazing that we're doing it this time of year because Psuke de Zimra, moving from, from Brachos and Psuke de Zimra into Krishma, is a process of moving through Sphiros Omer, basically, towards Kabbalah Satora, Krishma's Kabbalah Satora. So it all goes together. Yeah, Thank you. But Thank you. It is the Sphiros. It's very interesting, <laughs> though, when you hear it like that, like just listed, boom, 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 boom. I know, I understand, okay, that's Sphiros, but then just reading about it, and hearing how when they talk about loving kindness with Gavora, 
Yeah, and so they, we talked about it in Rokaha Aretz al Hamayim, which might be before you started coming to the no, show. No, I heard that. You part. heard that one? Yeah, I did. Right, hear so that we one. talked about it quite a lot, right? Rav Hirsch talks about the. Yes, yes, yes. Chesed is greater when it is channeled and controlled, and that it is the same idea as the zamira, the pruning, channeling, controlling the force, the push, the urge for life and growth. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes more powerful that way. Yeah, I I, I do appreciate that a lot. Yeah, that's it. It also makes a much more, you've heard me say, you know, the burning yes within. Like it, it's easier to say no when there's a burning yes. It's easier to say, I'm going to prune. I'm going to say no. (laughs) There's a, (laughs) there's a very famous writer, doctor. And when some of his books became wildly popular and some were made into movies, so... There's a picture of him. He's on the phone at his desk, and behind him there's a huge sign that says no. So he said that's when he started getting asked to come and speak or be honored or, you know, a lot. And he needed to remind himself he has to say no to these invitations so that he can preserve having the time each day to write. (laughs) Okay? If what he needs to be doing is producing... Right. Then doing all that other stuff, it might be good. It just not might not be the best use of his time. It might be a good use of his time. Right. But it's in the scheme the of what he can provide yeah. and give to the world, it would actually be a bad use of his time. Right. Right? right. When you can say, like, no, I'm not going to take those things on because I want to have more channeled into these other things, it's much easier to say no. It's much easier to say, no, I'm not going to eat that because it would make me person who's eating for taiva and I want to be someone holier than that right it's easier to do it if there's a positive that you really want and that's really the the rejoice and the singing in Sukhita Zimra comes from Yira and yet what Yira causes you to withdraw but what it does is it's not really withdrawing it's just saying not in those directions so that I can surge forward in some other direction I just find that it's it, it's so intense, and everything what you're saying, it's so intense that, you know, I want to go to Shul because I feel like I should be in Shul to show my presence there, to be part of the Kahila. But in terms of davening, I can, it's too fast. It's too mm-hmm. rushed. There's, well, that's there's a question people for talking Rav. here or something going on. That's a question for a Rav. It's a question guess, for a Rav. Should you daven a certain amount at home before you go to Shul? Should you focus your Kavana work six days a week and on the seventh day go to shul and not worry about it too much just take it as it comes and hopefully as you build up your kavana habits six days a week there's something to be said for davening with the community it's not just what you provide socially to the community mm-hmm. when you daven in a minion you have the advantage that all of the positive kavana that people have all in the group is bundled together so maybe I had kavana in this sentence and it wasn't so amazing in all the other sentences, but maybe somebody else had something to contribute there. Mm-hmm. In the same way that, you know, when I'm judged, like, you know, maybe there's something positive I have to contribute, but there's a lot of areas I'm falling down. But maybe the person next to me is really good at those. I'd rather be standing next to her so some of that will rub off on me. Like, <laughs> we'll go together as a group. When you're judged together in a community, generally speaking, that's a very good thing. When your tefillah comes as part of a group and a community, that's a good thing. So, it's a question for Rob. It's a halacha question. As funny as that sounds, it's a halacha question. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You got to ask it like wanting to know. 
as with all halacha, you get better answers when you really want to know what's best. <laughs> it's hard to do because sometimes we want something, so then we're really asking, is it okay? <laughs> which <laughs> which you, exactly. you might get an answer. You might get an answer to that. Uh-huh. But that's not necessarily get you as far as trying to find out what's, what would be best. So, you do, so when you ask it, you're asking what would be best. Say, what would you advise? What's my best? Or you can ask, you can say, here's what I want. Is that okay? And then say, but is that the best thing to do? You can also ask that. There's nothing wrong with being honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, otherwise, why ask the question? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, rabbis are only people, but many rabbis can see right through us. <laughs> so you ask the question, they know perfectly well what you're really asking. The question is, do you know what you're really asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is that it seems, and I'm not sure because I never trained to be a POSIC, but as far as I can tell, there seems to be a certain amount of training that says, um, thou shalt answer the question that was asked to you. <laughs> right. I think there, uh, it seems that there's a certain siyata dishmaya that a, rav, that a rav will have in answering the questions that are asked. Which, which would tend to lead them away from asking what you didn't, answering what you didn't ask. Mm-hmm. It's also psychologically, when we talked about this, you know, this is a Pesach conversation, right? Asking questions to get answers. When people get answers to things they never asked the question on, they don't really absorb it very well, generally. And they might even not be well able to then ask it later. Even though it's frustrating if you happen to know, look, what this person really needs is da-da-da-da-da. But if you wait till they ask, that's how they can absorb it. Yes. This also goes into the parenting grown-up children conversation, but that's another, another topic, right? Unfortunately, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to be here next week. Okay. My daughter's oh. graduating from school. Very exciting. So, Mr. Sham, you'll, you'll remind me, and I'll, so I mean, I'll put it up anyway. I'll let you know. Yeah.